I used to tie effort with being a tryhard. And even though I always just like went and hit the wall every single time, it was, man, like, what do people think of me? And do, are people just making fun of me because I am working hard? Um, Are they, are like, are they thinking of me negatively because I'm not this talented person that, you know, after one or two years, I'm, you know, I could almost make the CrossFit games. Uh, I had like, I definitely had a lot of those thoughts. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX and your host. And I believe athletes must stop valuing others' opinions so highly if they're ever going to reach their potential. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I respond to it. How you're thought of by others, or rather, how you perceive how others think about you, is what you're wired to care about. The most dangerous thing for humans until very, very recently has been being kicked out of the tribe. That's why you naturally care so much about what people think of you. But nowadays, your life isn't on the line if a few gym members or coaches don't like you, even if it feels like it. And really, no one even notices most of your mistakes. Yet fear of standing out, of being the tallest poppy, is often the very thing which holds you back. What if I go full send on this workout and people think I'm a tryhard? Will my mum still love me if I really am successful? Will my friends still want to hang out with me even if I don't go to this event? The pursuit of being an elite athlete is fraught with this perceived pressure. This is what Hannah Hardy, team games athlete and 23rd place finisher in this year's quarterfinals, has struggled with for so long. That is until she began working with Mindset RX to train her mindset. Today, you're going to hear how Hannah transformed her mindset. Think of this like a case study, which you can listen to in order to extract your own mindset training process. In Hannah's words, mindset is the gateway to unlocking your full potential. If you listen to the show and think, I'd like to know more about training my mindset, I'm ready, then apply for a free mindset assessment with me. I open up a maximum of three mindset assessments per week, which are completely free of charge. And in this assessment, you and I will not only assess your weaknesses and your strengths, but also devise a plan for how to train your mindset. If you want to chat about working together, we can do that. But the main objective is to give you a thorough insight into your own mindset and how to improve it. To apply for one of these spaces, head to our Instagram, MindsetRx, so that's MindsetRxD, and click the link in our bio. Or check the show notes that you will find at the bottom of this episode and click the link right there. Now I bring you Hannah Hardy. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Really looking forward to chatting about where you've been, what's happened, how that's changed, like your current level of performance and everything else. So let's start with a very obvious question. What were you like as a kid? What were you like athletically as a kid? All right. As a kid, um, 
Man, I wouldn't say that was the most athletic kid. Um, pretty much all of my life, I've just learned to just do my best and try hard. And whether I was a year round swimmer growing up for about seven years. And through that, I mean, I was the shortest person on the team and I'd be in the final heat with girls about a foot and a half taller than me. So in, in that case, it was more of a, I had the work ethic, but maybe not the genetics or talent. <laughs> and so that kind of trickled into school sports, um, playing like volleyball, basketball, tennis. I mean, you name it, uh, just learning that I would just throw everything that I could at the sport, but maybe I wasn't the most talented, but my coaches just really appreciated my work ethic. So that was, that was my childhood growing up. And especially I love the conditioning side of things. So suicide sprints were probably my favorite thing in basketball and volleyball um, versus actually playing the sport. I was kind of mediocre at best. I like the way you chose um, four sports there, including swimming, that probably help if you're quite tall. Is it, is oh, it yeah. No, yeah. Literally every sport. Basketball especially. No, every sport required you to be tall, and I did not meet that requirement whatsoever. I mean, in volleyball, I think I got maybe an inch over the net whenever I try to block. It would be a you know a good attempt. Uh, and then like basketball, I was, I was a center at one point just because I was really aggressive on defense, but at, I mean, probably at that time I was probably five foot. So it's not like I'm blocking anybody. <laughs> so some, some kids, they kind of, they get a, a certain, I don't know, luck of the draw genetically. They are a certain like they're certain height or like certain body type or whatever. And they kind of let that define them. They don't work hard. They don't have that um, push, that drive to overcome that. Usually that's because someone set an example or someone coaching you. Um, there's some sort of mentorship that is either like implicit, like we kind of pick it up or it's explicit. Like there's someone telling you like, this is who you need to be. What was it for you? Um. I mean, I think with me, uh, my father was, I mean, a huge inspiration to me in sports growing up uh, because he played um, at a small college for football and he was just, he was my example of, you just need to work hard. And especially like, even in the, the school sport dynamics um, of maybe parents got in the way or parents coached, um, things like that. My dad said, Hey, like, if you want, a, if you want to earn a starting spot, if you want to go play college somewhere, you, you have to work hard and you have to earn your spot. So even in times where I would be fed up because maybe I didn't see um, one of my teammates work as hard and still earn this, earn the starting spot. Um, he just kept on saying, well, just, you know, like keep on going, it's going to pay off. And um, I just like saw that in his life too, like in work. So that's kind of like how I, I think I had my mentality of just effort means way more than talent ever could. Yeah. That's such a benefit. Um, and it sounds like your dad was both explicit and implicit in his teachings there. Was there, was there anyone else, like any coaches, um, any kind of experiences that you had there? I was like, okay, yeah, this, this, uh, work ethic is very important to me. 
Um, coaching wise, uh, I have a few, there was like a few, I remember my, my first basketball coach, um, he was definitely one to just praise effort over anything. And, um, I think that was really the first time that I, I realized that, that I had that skill more so than the other, my other teammates, because, um, maybe I didn't see them like go after the ball and, I, and just, I think he just praised that so much, which in like, in the end, I never realized how much that would impact me down the road because, um, I have had coaches later in life that more so praised, I mean, just statistics basically. And that was me being confused of wait, like this is the standard now. Uh, so, uh, um, just seeing all of that go through, it's, it, I mean, even just looking back on it now, it's like, wow, like I did like have a great uh, coaching system growing up so that like maybe in high school, I realized, oh, I actually had the luck of the draw seeing that, oh, this coach that I had growing up praised effort. And maybe now it's like, oh, well, we're now going more towards uh, statistics. How do you find the the balance of the right level of relying on effort. And the reason I'm asking that is um, particularly an interview we did with Bethany Shadburn, but I know it's a problem that so many athletes face where it's like the mentality that we get into is like, I can outwork any problem. And sometimes that leads to junk volume. Sometimes it leads to this idea of, I've just got to do more and more and more and more and more. And if I don't, I'm not good enough. How do you wrestle with that? Um, I mean, I would be lying to say if I still don't wrestle with that, because I mean, you see everybody on social media and they all look like they're working hard. They're a hundred percent all the time. And I literally think that I need to go in the gym right then and there. And, you know, I don't have the time like most people do. So with me, it's just trusting my coach, trusting the process of, at least what I have on my program will get me to whatever goal that I, that I want to achieve. And it's a lot of myself talking myself off the ledge thinking that, Oh, I don't need to do that extra Metcon or, you know, like I already know that I've, I've been there and like at the games at semifinals that, you know, we need to work on technique. We need to work on efficiency. We don't need to, add in so much more like so many more pieces that you end up hurt so I again I'm this is actually like a recent realization it's not like I'm still not a hundred percent oh man like I don't need to do 10 metcons a day so that's typically my mentality anyways to, to go all in so um and I think everybody would be lying to say that everybody deals with that Okay. Honest question time then. What do you think it is that drives you to do more and more and more and kind of the thing? Yeah. What, what's the motivating factor that makes you want to do more? Um, it's me that, I mean, I just want to be the best person I can be. So there's that side of things. And to be honest, I think the more I do, then just the closer I'm going to get to that goal, it's kind of putting in my 10,000 hours uh, but I would say like a part of it also comes from the doubt that maybe I'm not there. And I 
still need to work hard. And even though that I've proven that I have been on the high, like at the highest level in the sport, it's, oh, was that a fluke? Was that just some one-off of it that will never happen again? So I do, I think it's like a both balance of me wanting to be my best and me kind of also doubting myself at the same time. So when you notice that, what's your approach? Um, Again, kind of like uh, just the junk volume thing. I definitely just have to sit and talk with myself and be like, I mean, and say, is that a realistic, is that a realistic thing? And, you know, it's questioning, is this because you feel like, oh, you do have a skill that you need to work on? Or is it just these doubts that, like, it's created by a doubt that I'm not capable of being at the highest level? So as soon as I just kind of run through the situation, I'm like, okay, I have a little bit more clarity and I wish it was an instinct, you know, but uh, it's either most of the time it's me figuring out, I mean, what, like, where is that coming from on the inside? Is it because I don't feel good enough or is it, oh, like, it's an intrinsic motivator that, like, I do, like, do want to get better and I need to actually go do, like, go do something. Yeah. It sounds like awareness. Like, it sounds like you're kind of, like, questioning and able to see it, which is the first step. Like, it's the first step of creating that change is, well, the first step is acceptance that there may be something going on there. And then we're looking at awareness. Um, can you increase that awareness to the point where it's like, oh, I can, I can see this happening now and I'm not getting wrapped up in it let's take a few steps back when did you start crossfit like how did you find it so i at least heard of crossfit in 2013 it was right before my junior year of high school and Mm -hmm. one of my i was actually watching the crossfit games with my dad and he told me hey like our family friend does that and i was like no way she does this and it i mean the crossfit games and he was like, yeah, it's like somewhere like in, you know, uh, in a town, like 30 minutes away. And I was like, I want to do that. So I would like jump in and the Saturday team workouts because I was juggling school sports at the same time. And then in 2015, I decided to go all in and that was the back half of my senior year of high school. Yeah. And what happened over those kind of the next few years? How, how did your interest in CrossFit develop? Um, so I really, actually, I started CrossFit full-time in 2015 because, uh, I was training for the Naval Academy. So (laughs) I I knew that. that, Yeah, no, that was, I mean, it was my way of a, it's already helped military personnel. So I knew it was going to be exact fit for me. And through that time, like I was going through like some ups and downs of anorexia, uh, And through that process, CrossFit was the one training program that, you know, it, it praises strong women and it praises, it's not only, um, you know, a workout methodology, but it's a lifestyle. And I think from that, like over the next few years, I just learned like what to eat, how to love myself more, even though I still need to work on that. And 
I just fell in love also with coaching and competing down the road. And that's what actually veered me off from going into the military um, and then going like full in on CrossFit. Interesting. There's, there's so much in there um, and you've been through such a journey. Let's start off right at the beginning. How did your beliefs begin to change around anorexia and CrossFit? Um, I, I would say that, again, it's something that I'm still working on and it didn't, I mean, I would say that in the beginning of CrossFit, it would, it was still me like, oh, like I have to follow, I have to be paleo to a T and I, I ended up just grabbing on to certain food trends over time until I finally got a nutrition coach. And from there, she she was the one really told me of, hey, you need to eat carbs. You need to eat to fuel your body. This isn't the sport of being the smallest. And uh, and she also just said, just put some trust in me. And that was really hard for me because I always had this, oh, I need to control everything. I want to do everything myself. I don't want to rely on others. So as soon as I just, I kind of let go of that, that's, that morphed me to, I mean, just like where I am today. And like I said, there's still like some triggering foods or thoughts that go through my head, but in the end, like that's how I've at least gotten a little bit better with food, eating, I mean, eating what I need to. And I mean, also just not being as scared as of any food that I want to eat and enjoy. It must've been scary to put your trust in someone else when you're so, um, so drawn to the idea of rigidity and structure. No, it was, it was definitely hard. And it's me. It's, I think at that time I wanted to do it all myself because I've, I thought relying on others was a sign of weakness. And in the end, asking for help, help is a sign of strength that, hey, you know what you need help on. It's okay to ask. And I think from there, I, I mean, that's anything, whether it's if learning a certain skill or uh, learning a subject in school. So, I mean, as soon as you put trust in somebody, I think it becomes easier and easier as to make that decision moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So you were already on this journey, um, improving your relationship with, I suppose, your body image and nutrition, and then CrossFit's coming into there and you kind of started finding that, um, that model of a, of a strong female athlete as well to adhere to what happened with your competitive career and like, how did you begin competing? So I feel like everybody, I just started at the local level and, you know, I was in a scale competition, probably eight months in the CrossFit. Well, I started the, I think I started CrossFit. So I started in January and then I literally jumped right into the open, which, and then I just fell apart because I couldn't, you know, I was, when I started, I was 105 pounds and it was the the first workout it was the 15.1 and 15.1a where it had a toes to bar and i couldn't do all 15 toes to bar i was so mad 
And of course I couldn't snatch 95 pounds. And then the, there was a max clean and jerk. I clean and jerked hundred pounds and that's how I started. Um, and then dabbled in the local competition scene and just really built up from the bottom. There wasn't a, Oh, like in a year I was at the regionals level. I was, it took me until the sanction events started rolling out to become a elite athlete per se. So I just, it was a slow growth and trust in the process. And again, just putting in the effort because I didn't, I never had a gymnastics background. I hardly ever lifted weights before that. What I had was the conditioning and just the want to, in the drive to get better at the sport. Cause Hey, like I thought I found something that I could actually excel in and I just really attached myself to that. So yeah. And then, so in like 2018, 2019, that's when I'd say that I finally like broke onto the scene. Nice. And then so 2018, 2019, you started really hitting these bigger competitions and performing really well. Um, what was that initial uh, moment of arrival? Like it was, it was weird because I remember my first time like going to a sanctioned event and stepping out on the floor. It felt I had this sense of belonging. And that was something that in any other sport I never had. I kind of felt when I went out there, I was I was more nervous because it felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. Whereas on the competition floor for a CrossFit event, it I mean, I just that's that felt like home to me and it was such an exciting feeling and it's it just like so electrifying electrifying to be out there what do you think so, was different um i don't know if it was maybe i had i was older and finally had confidence in my abilities like actually in a sport because i mean like i said growing up i was good at the more like conditioning side of things but the sport was lackluster whereas here it's what you do in the gym is what you do out there on the competition floor. So it's just amped up by adrenaline, which that's, I mean, that's like my favorite drug right there. <laughs> um, so I, I think just, a, I think I had a better, um, I think I just trusted myself and my abilities once I was out on a CrossFit competition floor and I just ran with it. Beautiful. So you kind of, you really started picking up momentum and um, and performing well. What mindset challenges did you run into at that point? Uh, at that point, it, I for me, it was just feeling, I think even, even though that I felt like I belonged out there in training, sometimes it, I was, I've been a team athlete for a really long time and, I just wanted to not let my team down. So that's been my biggest struggle. I mean, growing up in the sport is I just thought I had to earn my spot on the team and it could have been taken away from me because that's what I've kind of learned growing up too. So I just didn't want to be the weak link. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to show that I had any weaknesses, which I definitely, I mean, I still do. And I mean, I had back then, uh, so I had to, I mean, I was even through last year, I 
was dealing with, if I didn't have a good workout per se, I would, I mean, I would storm off. And I actually never realized I knew, I knew how much it affected me and I knew it wasn't the best for me, but I never realized how much that affected my teammates. And I just brought the energy down in the room and it, I didn't make it fun for them. So, uh, that was like, that's been a struggle pretty much like up until this year. So when you like, I'm guessing it was when you encountered something that you didn't want to encounter, when you had a bit of a bad break, you kind of got pissed off and and stormed out. Is that right? Pretty much. Uh, it was definitely not the most mature thing to do. Uh, and yeah, it was, again, it came from a sense of just, I thought I still need to earn my spot on the team and not let my teammates down. And like, instead, like I pretty much like started the drive them away, which, uh, I definitely, uh, regret. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And implicit in that idea of, I don't want to let them down is that I'm scared of letting them down. And I really don't want this to happen because of, well, so many reasons, like there could be the, the social side of it. Don't be rejected socially, which hurts us humans. Um, it could be re-triggering something from the past. There could be so much stuff there. What kind of, thoughts and emotions would surround those moments? Um, I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, yeah. I, I didn't want to be rejected by them because I mean, my teammates, they're people I, I looked up to in the sport for years and I finally had the chance to go team with them. And it was like, don't blow it. That was, and instead of seeing what I could contribute to the team, it was me to be like, okay, you can't mess up. Because you, I mean, you could just like easily be removed from the team as Mm -hmm. much as it was easy to put you on. Um, And just like having those feelings, uh, I came from a sense of, yes, I enjoyed my time with my team and I like cherished every moment, but I also just lived in this fear of letting them down and just, and not being able to like grow and connect with them because they're just like too worried with my, my lack of performance. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting you say that because I don't think it really matters whether we are, it's heightened in team definitely, but if you're individual as well, there's still that, there's still that thing of, I don't want to let my coach down. I don't want to let the community down. I don't want to be rejected socially. And that weighs on the mind of so many athletes. No, I, I like, and like I said, like I, I still deal with that. And mm-hmm. it's like, in a sense of, I mean, you're, you're representing so much, whether, like you said, it's like your gym community, your coach, the programming body, mm-hmm. um, your sponsors, everything like that. So it, you have this enormous pressure on yourself to perform. And especially if, it doesn't go your way and you, you don't make the CrossFit games or you don't do well there. It's kind of, you are like, man, like not, I didn't only let myself down, but I let all like all of these people down. And I mean, on team it's with me, I'm like, wow. Like I just let, I mean, my teammates are depending on me. And even though I've like put forth my best effort, it wasn't good enough. And it took it, that just weighed so heavily on me because I didn't want their season to be dependent on something that I could or couldn't do. 
Yeah, the, and that pressure that you feel, the pressure to perform and the profession, uh, the pressure to kind of almost almost stop yourself from being vulnerable and authentic. And it, like, it's, it's funny in a perverse way that it has the opposite effect that it pushes people away um, when you kind of when you do that. And like, I've certainly been there and I know that so many athletes listening to this will, will recognize themselves in that. Before you started training your mindset in a really uh, dedicated way, what, other problems were you encountering like what was what was uh daily or regular life like for you um i mean i i always have this sense of perfection uh perfectionism and i think that like you kind of seen that through what i've said before but um whether it's i mean i'm in chiropractic school if i didn't get straight a's i would feel you know less worthy of a degree or again, like social interaction because I didn't get the best grade and, um, or I expected more of myself and I don't expect myself to, you know, even though I have so many things I'm trying to juggle, well, I still have to perform like at the best in everything I do. Um, that's been like the main thing I've been trying to deal with for, I mean, for forever really is to realize that, Hey, we're all human and we make mistakes and that's the only way we can learn. And with that, I still like had this thing of, Oh, if I make a mistake, it's just, again, I don't, I lose my like sense of worth in something, or I don't think that I'm going to achieve what I want to, because normally like a mistake would equal, Oh, like you're off the team, you're benched. Um, you're not smart things like that. Yeah. How did that affect your actual output in training? Uh, I think it, it made me work harder. And I think that's where like the junk volume came in mm-hmm. is, um, or just, I wouldn't even say junk because I still like, I grew from that in a sense, but, um, that's where it's like, I thought that it's like, oh, if something didn't go right, I need to end on something that something went right and or just right as planned and I could walk away just fine. And, you know, I would spend like sometimes like hours and hours in the gym being like, okay, I need it. I need to end on a high note. I need to end on a high note. Um, So it it's not the best way to go about things because it, I think my sense of uh, perfectionism actually got me to where I am. But again, it's not, um, it's not a positive, uh, driver of performance. Did you recognize it as perfectionism then, or was it kind of, were you unaware that that's what it actually was? No, I was aware. Uh, it was, yes, it was, it was one of those things that I was aware, but I just never knew. I tried to just again, like talk with myself or um, like journal, talk to people, read constant mindset books. And I just, I thought I was doing the right things, but I would always, I mean, it would seem like sometimes on a weekly basis, I would just like, I would have this breakdown because I was, there was like so many things that weren't going how I planned it. And if that's not, if that's not perfect, then I'm, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't worth anything. It was like, I have no value because, oh, this workout didn't go right. And I didn't get the A on the test. I didn't 
hang out with my friends. I like ended up needing to like have time alone and then feeling like I was neglecting them in a certain way. So um, it was, I just like, I thought I was doing all the right things, but I would always still fall into these traps before like really like diving into my mindset and doing like hardcore journaling. Perfectionism is a tough one because it's an ever moving target. It just recedes the further you move towards it. So it's like, okay, yeah, I nailed training, but did I hang out with my friends properly? Did I, was I an ounce off my water intake for the day? With like all these things, they kind of, it just, the goal stays just as far away because of our relationship with ourselves. So it's fascinating that you see that. And what's also interesting as well is that you recognize perfectionism was such a useful tool to get you there. Like it often, often is what you know as bound nature, but most people listening to this won't have that concept that it starts off as a brilliant coping mechanism. It's like, this is what you needed to do in order to get you away from that problem that you used to face. And it's fantastic because it, does in the case of perfectionism education wise hard work like they they it's a really good thing to have but you hit this limit and then we have to let this thing fade away that's become part of our identity is who we believe we are it's a belief and it's that process of dropping it letting it fade away that is so hard because it feels like a part of you and it feels risky if you let that part of you go. So that must have been a weird feeling for you. No, it was it was insanely weird. And I really I really don't think I had I really just I don't think I let it go until I would even say like semifinals of this year. And mm. I, I mean again I would be lying if I didn't feel like those thoughts still come in or I get frustrated I mean with things like new things that I'm doing now. Uh but it it is such a freeing feeling being like, oh, you don't you don't have to be perfect all the time because you're like any reps that you're doing, it's it's moving you closer to the target, whether you you like underperformed like per like what standard. And um it's like as long and it it really just took that it until now to, to say, hey, like if you if you just tried your best you if you didn't do what you thought you were going to do okay now you know for next time what you need to work on or how you need to break repetitions up or how to study better so um it just like it's getting you closer to your goal and it was that was such a freeing feeling and instead of like having this sense of like having a sense of doubt, it's just, it's motivating because it's like, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm figuring this out. I have like one more piece of the puzzle to figure out how to be my best. Nice. So somewhere in between beginning to drop that story and recognizing it to begin with, you and I got on a call and we spoke about mindset training camp, I believe it was. Um, What, was there a moment that prompted you to think, hey, you know what, I really need to work on my mindset? I think it was uh, like we're saying earlier, it's all right. Well, I was like, I was listening to the podcast, reading all the books, like talking to people, being more vulnerable. And I still like kept on following these same traps. And with me, I, I was just kind of fed up. So that made me just like, finally just hop on a call and say, Hey, like, I need, 
I need to start this like right now. What was that like? Um, again, it was, it, I mean, it was scary because I mean, I thought I was doing all the things myself. So it was one, one more avenue of saying, Hey, like I have to put my trust into these other people to help me discover, like discover something that like I haven't discovered yet. So, and it was, I didn't, it's like, I didn't know there was a part of me being like, well, I've done everything. Like, I don't know what else more I can do. Um, so again, it was having to like, put my trust in you guys that um, made like, the world a difference. What did you realize? Cause obviously you're doing loads of stuff, like you said, like reading books, listening to podcasts, kind of doing what is widely promoted as the right thing. What did you discover you were doing that wasn't quite right? And what did you need to change? Um, I think it was, I mean, when, um, like earlier I said the hardcore journaling and I think like in the past I would, I would write down more so just like, our, I mean, what we say, like our wins or, I mean, just like things I'm grateful for. Uh, and that's, and that's what I would pretty much write down. But what we did in camp, it was really just like trying to like find the root cause of pretty much just like any negative tendency that we like that we had. And of course, like I was aware of my perfectionism, but really just seeing like where it all stemmed from. uh, And even like my sense of like I had, even though I always preach effort and working hard over everything, like even like discovering that I had like some like negative story connected to that and being able to write it out, see it and then be, and let it go was just, that was a huge step for me. So I think it was diving deeper into just some of these, just some of the things that we do and like slowly, but surely like kind of just like, like, peeling a layer of the onion back, peeling another layer each and every day that like really helped me out this season. Ever wondered how to start training your mindset or what's really stopping you from hitting your true potential? Or do you just want to cover all the bases in your training and ensure you've given it everything you've got? If so, try our free mindset assessment. In this free 45-minute call, you and I will discuss your strengths and weaknesses and put together a plan for how to train your mindset. If you compete and want to reach your next level, head to mindsetrx.com MA to secure your place now. That's mindsetrxd.com MA. Yeah, it's becoming intentional, intentional with journaling. Um, like so often, we we know that it's a good idea to grab a journal or have a conversation or to try meditation, but we kind of we don't know how to use the tool effectively. So being able to have the structure to say that this is exactly what I want you to get, and then I'm guessing coaching feedback as well. Like was able to you're able to see a little bit more clearly when you started this process. What kind of changes did you begin to see? Um, I mean, with me and uh, it was just, I, <clears throat> I was with me, my, I mean, my biggest thing was I used to tie effort with being a try hard and, 
Um, even though I always just like tr- went and hit the wall every single time, it was, man, like, what do people think of me? And do, are people just making fun of me because I am working hard? Um, are they, are like, are they thinking of me negatively because I'm not this talented person that, you know, after one or two years, I'm, you know, I could almost make the CrossFit games. Uh, I had like, I definitely had a lot of those thoughts and, um, just seeing like that mindset shift once I, I figured out the root cause of like those emotions being tied to, um, just like something in my past that, you know, like one person said a little bit weirdly and it kind of just spiraled into years and years of this, like doubting, like, or doubting that like hard work was, you know, what got you there. I was judged differently because of it. Um, like I made like made that mindset shift to really like understand that, like I did believe in effort, but it didn't like, it wasn't a negative thing anymore in a sense. Um, like that was, that was one big takeaway that, I mean, I've, I've taken thus far. That's like the one that really stands out to me. Beautiful. What kind of challenges did you face in the course? Uh, I would say that sometimes I think the hardest prompts to do were finding like wins in uh, like the love category. So like our relationship with ourselves, ourselves and others, I could probably write out. I mean, in the beginning, I could literally write out so many things about others, but I think there was like one day where I was like, okay, just write something about yourself. And man, it was like, my mind went blank. It's like, oh no, this is, that was probably like one of the hardest things. And uh, just, I was like, okay, well, if, you know, if anything in this category comes up, like bring it back to self-love and just explore that a little bit more because apparently this is the area that you need to work on a little bit more. Yeah. It's like, um, it's the, the equivalent is if, if a movement showed up that just absolutely floored you. So you got to work out and it's like, oh, I could only do three wobbles and that yeah. just destroyed me. Um, then there's a chance we need to, to work on it. And it's an opportunity within that. Um, but it's, a it's an interesting thing because you don't often think about your relationship, finding self-love is one of those things that is so, so directly affects performance. But when we think about it, it's tied into our identity. And when we think about it, in terms of, oh, am I being perceived as a tryhard? Do people want, like, are people judging me? If you have that foundation of self-love, self-trust, and essentially I am good enough regardless of what other people think, then you're more willing to push hard. You're more willing to um, maybe even back off the volume if that's what you need. You're more willing to do what's right for you rather than relying and constantly second-guessing what other people are thinking. No, like that, that's absolutely right. And I mean, even like through the program and even now it's, I mean, just, yeah, like having, having the belief in yourself, like that's like, I mean, that's like a huge takeaway from like working on just how I talk with myself and what, like what I believe about myself is to be true. Um, I mean, just you like life is happier and it's like, you find like, there's like so many, there's, so there's so much good happening that I think sometimes that, I mean, we always like 
look at the negative of pretty much everything. And we're constant. I mean, again, we're always constantly trying to be better, but I think, I mean, working on self-love and self-belief and, and just, and that relationship, it was, it kind of just like opened doors to seeing how many wins were there. And, um, I was, and just being happy, like being content about what's going on right now, even though I'm still like, still being pushed to become a better person. How did that growth affect your performance in competition and in the gym? Uh, I mean, with me, I mean, this season was like, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's over quite yet, but um, I mean, we, so this course went through the open. It was my best open the date. I was, I just, I just went, out one and done just believed in my like myself and my abilities and I got top 100 in the world which I never thought that would happen um on I mean even on a whim for individual quarterfinals I um I was we there was the workouts relief that morning and I texted my coach at because I mean we were set up for team quarterfinals which was a couple weeks later I said hey like can I go do these? Uh, they look fun. And he was like, why not? Like, just, you know, just see how you do. And I mean, I ended up 23rd in North America and I was freaking blown away. Uh, and it was just even like going into the, the like workouts that I knew weren't going to be good for me. It was, um, instead of being scared and thinking that I was getting judged by, this one workout out of the thousands I've done in my life, I, I went in with the mentality of just, just give it what you got because you have trained for this moment and uh, you have trained your weaknesses and you like, why, like, why expect to do poorly when you've been in the gym working hard and you've been doing, or you've been doing the things outside of the gym to set you up strong. So why not, like, why not expect, you know, to do well? And like, from that, it was just being blown away with like how I did even then, like as an individual. And that's what I think, I mean, after individual quarterfinals, that's what really opened my eyes to say, Hey, you, I always had this, uh, this thought that I was only meant to be a team athlete and no, don't get me wrong. I, I love the, I love team. I love the workouts. I love the worm. Uh, I think it's so unique that you have to work with three other people. And somehow when someone's six, two and the other person's five foot, you have to somehow, you know, do a squat at the same speed and things like that. But it really, it was in a sense of, Hey, you have what it takes to go, like, go do this yourself. If you really wanted to, uh, you should go after it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't a scary thing. It was, it was kind of this excitement that, oh, wow. Like, all right. My like internal dialogue now is like also rooting for me. Whereas in the past, it was always something that was just like beating me down. Well, that must be <laughs> such a nice feeling. No, it's, it's crazy. And like, even now, um, I mean, this season, like, it, it didn't work out for my, um, 
for my team, but I get to like potentially see like our, my other gyms team, like, um, go to the CrossFit games. And instead of even feeling like sense of, I, I guess like I'm waiting to see these like old emotions I used to have, like a sense of jealousy, kind of like, why am I like, why am I this in this situation of sitting on the sidelines? Uh, like being able to, I'm like so happy for them in a sense. And it, it, for me, it's, I think it's because I realized that like without, without the season, I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't think that I could do this individually or I didn't, I wouldn't have believed in myself without this season happening. And even like with all the negative that came with it, so many more positives came out of it. Um, yeah, it's been something. Brilliant. No, I, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you're feeling that. If you had to give one piece of advice that you learned from your time working with us to an athlete who was maybe in the same position that you were what, six months ago or a year ago, what would you what would you say to that athlete? Uh, if you're considering working on mindset, it was it's a thing of a. Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next, you know, the next uh, best time is now, uh, you, it was such an incredible experience. And again, I, it, cause m- more than likely you have done exactly what I did. Read the books, listen to the podcast, um, start your journey, but it was, it's something that without going all in, I don't think I would have grown so much this season. And I mean, to think this happened in six months. I mean, I'm so excited to see what happens at the year mark, the two-year mark, the five-year mark, and just seeing like where this goes. And I would just say jump all in because there's there's so much more growth to be had. And like sometimes you just need like a little helping hand to guide you through it. Beautiful. And are there any is there a tool that you learned something that you think is um, helped your mindset most? Like maybe it's creating the visions, maybe it's an AMWAP, maybe observe your inner athlete, maybe it's sleep regulation. Uh, maybe it's bound nature and free nature. Like what did you find most helpful in this process? Um, it was definitely the bound nature. Um, yeah. Just like diving into those more. So it's diving into I mean, perfectionism, uh, diving into like, why like I like thought my self-worth was like this and now it's like really this after um like a deep dive into it and like going into those roles and I mean I would the, on those prompts I would I would probably have like five or six pages I'm like I don't know if I was supposed to like write all of this and I'm like I'm having to like send videos in for feedback because I can't like send like, like post like a bunch of photos of my journal um I'm like man do they think I'm like man I, it was like in a sense of I it was helping me out so much and but there's like that voice in the back of my head being like should it have been this long like I don't know if I should have wrote a novel for them to read especially because I don't have the best handwriting I have like traditional doctor handwriting so they're probably like oh I can only make out like 20 words of this entire uh, <laughs> journal entry 
If there's one skill that we have picked up that is completely unintentional, it's being able to read anyone's handwriting. I reckon I could look at like someone who's just learning to write and interpret everything perfectly now. Like it's it's incredible. Um, yeah. No, but that's I. Th- I think that's one of the reasons that you did so well, like, because you went full in like your ability to say, Hey, you know what? Like, yeah, sure. There's going to be some days where you don't have the time or you kind of, you kind of, you have to skip out a prompt or you kind of, you aren't as as diligent as you could be, but most of the time you just gave all the effort and there were pages and pages and we learned so much from being able to see what was happening with, with your work. And because there was like kind of so much data, essentially, we could give you feedback. I, I suppose the parallel with Kyra is if you've only got one data point, it's very difficult to ascertain what the problem is. But if you go, okay, this and this and this and this and this, they all add up to build this whole picture. That's a lot easier. So yeah, like your work ethic and your willingness to go deep was definitely what set you up for success. No, and I appreciate it. That's like, I appreciate the kind words. And I mean, that's like also like if someone is considering the program, uh, definitely go all in. I mean, this is this is helping yourself. And um, I've already kind of like re- reached a sense of if I'm not like, I love being vulnerable with people and like telling people my story and like of all my shortcomings now, um, it's a lot easier to like actually get to the root cause when you're talking about like touchy subjects. But in a sense, like if like that's something that maybe like you'd, um, are still uncomfortable with, at least like you're in your journal, you're in by yourself. And, um, like with you guys is like having you guys' feedback and be like, Hey, like, what do you think about this stuff? And then I, um, like I basically have a, like a four page journal prompt for another four page journal prompt. Um, it's like, it's all helping you. And if like, it was something that you shouldn't escape from yourself. Like you're in this to grow and to figure out like why you're wired the way you're wired. So if you're holding back, it's like, it like, you're still going to get far. Don't get me wrong, but it's just in a sense of, Oh, just like, like toe the, like toe the line, like take another step, take another step, talk about the touchy things. It's like, that's where, like, that's where the work is made is when you like go into that, like uncharted territory. Perfect. I think that is a lovely place to, to wrap up here. Um, before we do so, let me ask you a couple of questions that I ask everyone. Firstly, right. what books have you gifted most to other people? Gifted. Um, let's see. So probably, well, I don't gift. I'm more so just maybe like send Amazon links. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cause I'm a broke college Perfect. kid. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Atomic Habits by James Clear is probably like one of my like go-to book recommendations, um, as well as the subtle art of, uh, not giving a fuck, um, uh, like those are by Mark Manson. Those two are probably like the two books I recommend to all people. Perfect. What was your greatest sporting or athletic achievement? Hmm. Okay, there's a part of me that wants to say the 2021 CrossFit Games because that was like, in a sense, I mean, that was like my crowning achievement. Um, but man, to be honest, my like 
I feel like my greatest sporting achievement right now is, I mean, it might just be because it recency bias, but uh, semifinals of this year, there's, I felt like I had so much growth as a leader and as a competitor on my team, as well as just, even though like, again, we didn't make the CrossFit games, like in a sense, seeing us come together as a team during like the hard moments and also the good moments was something that like I didn't realize how much I would cherish in even comparison to the last year of making the CrossFit Games. Beautiful. And then finally, what does mindset mean to you? Hmm. Tough one to finish with. I know. I know. Man. I mean, to me, I mean, I feel like mindset is just, that's, pretty much the gateway of unlike unlocking your true potential. And if you can wrap your head around just what makes you work and what you need to work on and things like that, like you, there's no stopping you. Perfect. We got the quote for the show. Mindset's the gateway to unlocking your full potential. Love that. Um, Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, where can people follow you on Instagram? Uh, so my handle is at go so hardy on Instagram. Uh, yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's pretty much the only social media I'm active on. So unless you want to find me on LinkedIn or something like that. <laughs> awesome. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Remember, if you want to get your free mindset assessment, head to mindsetrxd.com slash MA. That's mindsetrxd.com slash MA. Remember to keep up to date through Instagram too by following us on Instagram, which is my, at mindsetrxd. <laughs>